Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you are tuning in, and hope that you would be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. If you need them to show up in your situation, come on, give them glory right now. Hallelujah. If you need them to do a new thing in your life, come on and begin to worship our great Father. Come on and worship Him in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 We glory in you, O oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can stay right there all day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I came on assignment. Hallelujah. And I want to be obedient to the assignment that God has given me today. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We give you glory. We thank you for filling us even now, God. Hallelujah. Well, I praise the Lord. I'm just going to get right into it. My message and my sermon today, if you can see it on the screen, is called Reimagine. And so we're going to be coming out of the book of 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We're going to start at verse 3. Um, as I begin to think about what God is having me to share today, I was thinking about, I've been on this lesson, I, I do Bible studies, and this, this message had been ringing in my Bible studies, and God has had me to bring it on today and continue to share the message of reimagining. So what we're talking about this morning um, coming off of the heels of our, our uh, executive pastor, Pastor Dom, he talked about, I got questions, right? I got questions. And so as I was thinking about this message, I want to think about once we get the answer to those questions, how do we, how do we reevaluate our lives? Once we get those answers, once we get those answers, how do we begin to reimagine the vision for our lives? Because, see, we came into the world with a certain image of ourselves, right? A certain understanding of life, and God had to come and intervene to show us a new vision, right? To show us a new way. So today, we're going to take our old imagination, and we're going to reimagine it the way that God intended for us to see it. Amen? Amen. So that's why we're calling it Reimagine today. Hallelujah. So like I said, we're coming out of the book of 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And so just to give a little bit of context before we get into the scripture, we're coming out of 2 Corinthians, which is the second letter uh, from Paul to the church of Corinth in uh, Rome. And so if you know anything about Corinth, Corinth was a very interesting, Corinth was a very interesting place. It was a place of uh, a lot of uh, interaction. It was an intersection, a lot of different moving things, a lot of different cultures and backgrounds that intersected in the church of Corinth. And Corinth was a major city for travel and commerce, and there was a constant flow of traffic. There was a blending of many cultures and religious belief systems. Temptation of all kinds in the, in the area of morality was visible in the church of, not in the church, but in the city of Corinth, excuse me. Uh, there was high emphasis on the pursuit of personal pleasure in Corinth, not so much as thinking about what, how we could uh, surrender ourselves to God, but to how we could please ourselves. Uh, in the first letter, because we know that we're coming out of the second Corinthians, so there was a letter before this, there was an issue of immorality in the church. So I want you to understand today, I'm not necessarily talking to the sinner today, I'm talking to the church. Yeah. Now, sinner, you can glean something from this today. If you don't know the Christ in the bottom heart part of your sin, I pray that today that something touches you today that will cause you to want to know more about who God is. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I have a message for those of you who have called the name of Jesus this morning. This message is specifically for you. 
and, and so in the first study, we, it was an issue of immorality in the church, and the church was tolerating the activity of some things. And, and there was a specific situation that happened in the first letter where there was a man who was having a relationship with his father's wife. And so the church had seemed to kind of accept what was going on. So there was an issue of immorality going on in the church where they were accepting things that were supposed to be unacceptable in the house of God, right? And so, so Paul was coming to kind of correct some things. He was trying to set some things in order with the church of Corinth. And so now we find ourselves in the second book of Corinth, a second letter of Corinth, where he's kind of trying to reevaluate and see how have they been doing since that first letter went out, right? And so, again, there were issues of immaturity and carnality, mixing a pagan doctrine with Christianity. Uh, it deals with it. So we're dealing with the problems of the local church. And so 2 Corinthians was a follow-up to see how they began doing since his last letter. Many of the problems had improved since that first letter. But this also, and this is where we're kind of really focusing our message today, it was a response, the 2 Corinthians, the second letter, was a response to the reports of infiltration uh, by false teachers in the camp. There were people in the church that were coming in that were false teachers, false preachers that were trying to interrupt the flow of what God had established through the ministry of Paul. And so they were called Judaizers. They were of the Judaistic party, and they had attacked the authority which Paul was walking in. So in other words, they were not just coming in to infiltrate what was set up, but they were trying to downplay the authority and the apostleship of Paul. They were trying to say, he's a fake, he's a phony, basically. I don't know what y'all thought he was, but he ain't what he thought he was. And so there was a lot of indecision, um, and these, these people were trying to put a lot of different things on Paul in their, in, their, um, in their assessment of him. They were saying he was indecisive because he had said he was coming back to see them, and then he didn't come. And then they said that he wasn't preaching the whole gospel because of his lack of emphasis on the works of, of man, and then he wasn't, they say he wasn't a real apostle. They accused him of being prideful and boasting, and they even attacked his appearance. They said he was less than impressive. They said, man, you can't even look at him. Look at him. He ain't even nothing to look at. And I can, and I related that when I started to research that and look at how they were framing uh, Paul, uh, Paul. And I asked, how does that relate to today's church? You know, when we look at the church culture of today, there's a lot of that going on where if you don't look a certain way, yeah. if you don't sound a certain way, then maybe you ain't got power. If your church ain't packed to the brim, if it ain't, if it ain't, uh, you ain't got black and white and all of this going on in your church, if you ain't got a, a youth ministry, if you ain't got all of these things, all these accoutrements, well, there's nothing wrong with them right, right out, right? But when it becomes about the things and less about the God of the things, yeah. there's a problem that's going on, right? Hallelujah. So he, he came up in the second letter. He was doing he was coming to defend his authority. He was coming to, de, to defend and to speak life into the church. And so he was using his own life as a setting for the church to understand what it meant to have a servant leadership style of leadership. He was trying to teach them how to be a servant leader. Hey, everyone, it's Elder Brittany from Transformation Christian Fellowship, and I'm so excited to announce that this Sunday is the start of our year-end offering, Rooted. With our year-end offering, Rooted, 
we are coming together to make a spiritual investment into the new year, expecting a great bountiful harvest in our lives and, and also the lives of our church and also to be able to expand and evangelism and outreach and all of our community social initiatives for us to continue to connect lives to the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. We ask that you will join us and so in a minimum of $25 above the tithe and we ask that you pray over it and believe God to see a bountiful harvest in the new year. And remember, transformation starts here. And so he was helping us to understand the person and the ministry of Satan in this letter as well, and how to become wise to his tactics. Uh, which brings us to today's uh, uh, scripture when we're talking about 2 Corinthians 10. And I'm starting at verse 3, so I'm going to go ahead and start reading from the King James Version. So it says, it's a very familiar passage of scripture, and it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're going to focus a lot on that particular scripture today. Verse 6, and having in, ready, in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So let me read uh, verse 5 one more time. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Somebody say reimagine. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Corinthians had been criticizing him for um, in their letter, uh, in their response to, to Paul, and they were saying, man, you're all bark, but no bite. In other words, they were saying in his letters that he had written to us, you real bold in your letters, sir. You got all of this power, all of this energy. You got this big person energy, but when you come in our presence, you're this meek person or you're the real, you know, real kind of uh, silent and not so bolsters as you appear in the, in the scripture. And so they were trying to criticize and trying to come up against his, his, his G, you know what I'm saying? They were trying to get up on his swag. And so he, they were questioning even, and they even were questioning, this is interesting, they were even questioning his salvation. Not only were they questioning his persona and everything he stood for, but they were even questioning, are you really saved? Are you really of God? All because of enemies in the camp, sowing discord, sowing dislike, sowing mistrust. And these are people, again, remind you, I said, Paul is talking to believers, so these are people that knew God, that had a relationship with God, that were coming to an understanding of God, and they allowed people to come in and tempt them to sway against what God had shown them was the way. Hallelujah. So we're going to just break down the scriptures. So let's deal with that first scripture. So the, uh, the first point I want to give you today, I'm, I'm kind of speaking in AAV or Ebonics for those of you who don't know. Uh, so it's called, the first point is this, our fight is just different. Our fight is just different. Hallelujah. So those of you who may not be of the AAV persuasion, hallelujah. Our fight is just different. 
But the first verse says, for though we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh, right? So in other words, what he's really saying there in that first set of scriptures, he's saying, though we all have struggles, though we all deal with issues in real time, uh, our struggles being sin, doubt, fear, rage, envy, jealousy, depression. These are all things that we really deal with, right? Just because we come into the knowledge of Christ is because we are saved, we call ourselves Christians, doesn't mean we're susceptible to going through stuff. Doesn't mean that we don't have real emotions that we still have to work through, right? We still have to get up every day and choose God, right? Because that's that's the myth that sometimes people get. And I apologize for anybody that has seen the church and thought that you had to be perfect in order to be a follower of Christ. But that's just why you don't need to be perfect because God is the perfect God and we come to him to find perfection. Hallelujah. But we're all messed up. We all have issues. But the difference between us who have relationship with God is that when we find ourselves in that place where we want to give up, we have somebody that's there to hold us up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. So we know those struggles can be those things I just mentioned. And the trials. And so the other part of that, what is really saying is the trials and tribulations of our life do not determine how we show up to the battle. The trials and tribulations that we're going through, that you're dealing with, that you and I are going through daily, especially this time of the year. We know that uh, that during this time of the year, there's a lot of depression. Depression goes up because people are with family. People have lost loved ones. I just dealt with an aunt. My aunt lost her husband last Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. So I knew that this year was going to be tough for her trying to have Thanksgiving because it's a constant reminder of what happened on that day. And so you never know what people are going. This is a strong woman of God. These are people that love God. And so we have to. But but when we have an understanding of who God is above what we're going through, we recognize that the trials and tribulations of this life don't determine how we show up to the battle. So, yeah, I might be sad that my my loved one is gone, but I still hold hope in Jesus Christ. And I know that he's got me. He's going to wipe every tear, right? Hallelujah. So he's trying to let us know, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Our fight just different. We don't fight like man does. We don't fight the way that they choose to see man in, in, their, in our carnal thinking and our carnal way of doing things. We just want to square up sometimes when that person just gets on our nerves, when they just hit that last nerve. We just want to say that one thing that we know will bring them to their knees. We, some of us know people's weaknesses, right? We know that one thing that'll get to them and say, okay, you keep messing with me. You keep, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. You keep on. You keep on, right? But God is saying, listen, we got we to gotta choose another way. Our fight is is different. And so the same thing with Paul. Paul is trying to let them know, listen, I'm not going to war after this thing the same way these people are trying to war after me because I stand to a higher power, right? I stand to a higher power. So the trials and tribulations in our life do not determine how we show up to the battle. So though we walk after the flesh, we're not warring after this the way, the same way. Our fight is just different. Verse two, and I'm, I'm going to get out of here real quick, y'all. I ain't going to keep y'all long. Praise the Lord. Because y'all know I can be long-winded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to try best. Y'all keep it time on me. Keep it time on me. The second point. So our first point is our fight is just different. The second point is our weapons are silent but deadly. Our weapons are silent but deadly. 
So that next part of the scripture says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So these carnal weapons that they're speaking of in the scripture are not necessarily like metal weapons, like physical weapons. The weapons that they're talking about, uh, as he's speaking of, are those that we choose to, how we choose to handle things in the flesh. So in other words, uh, when, when those of us in the flesh, when we're dealing in carnality with issues of life come about, sometimes we want to deal with it the way that we want to deal with it. And that can come through the way of manipulation. That can come through smooth words. We want to smooth talk people into doing things our way. Um, the perception of power, we want to act as if we're bigger than who we are. Uh, and we scheme in and plot and trying to figure out how we can maneuver through situations to make it work out the way we want instead of the way that God is trying to really work it out for our good. But we think we know better than God sometimes, so we get in his way of trying to do things and try to deal with things. So the carnal weapons that he's talking about is the things that we do in life when life situations show up or when circumstances show up and and um, we're trying to fight in a way that God never intended. Um, and so this, this is not how we fight, but you need to be aware, listen to this, of your surroundings because there are people that see your anointing, yeah. that see your life, and they can't understand the authority in which you walk in. Again, we're relating this to Paul. You have, they, they can't relate to the anointing that you have and how to get. And so instead of them trying to get an understanding of how they can walk in the same authority, they're choosing to try to manipulate you and bring you down. So you ever got people in your life that just couldn't stand your presence? You can walk into a room and they're just like, man, who do you think you are? How do you come in here and you got all this smile on your face? What's so good? What's so happy? What you so happy about? People, when you have the joy of the Lord, when you're walking in the glory of God, sometimes you can walk into places of darkness and they just can't handle it. Either they're going to choose to come into the light or they're going to stay in their darkness and be hateful and be mean and be, and be messed up. And so he's, say, so he's helping us to understand that, listen, this is why we have to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We can't fight the way they fight because if you're going to fight like them, you're going to be just as miserable as they are. You're going to be stuck in your mess just like they are because see, when you fight with the battle, the spiritual weapons that I have given you, hallelujah, you're going to find yourself in joy unspeakable, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Hallelujah. Power above power. Hallelujah. And so that's the joy of the Lord that we want to walk in, the weapons, the spiritual weapons that we walk in. So those spiritual weapons that we have is truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the sword of the spirit. These are the things that God has given us to fight with when the enemy comes in like a flood and we can raise up a standard as the word said against him through our through the way that we speak through the truth of the word through the righteous living through the gospel the gospel is jesus christ preaching jesus christ resurrected and with all power in his hand hallelujah and jesus was our ultimate example of how to fight with those spiritual weapons uh, if we go to philippians the second chapter verses six through eight it says this it says who being in the form of god did not consider it robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In other words, he didn't come in here all high and mighty. See, he could have. Right. Because he was God in the flesh. He could have come in here and said, I'm demolishing all this stuff. I'm, I'm stepping in and I'm doing it. And, and, and if we know anything about Jewish history, that's what they were really expecting. When they were talking about the Messiah, when they were trying to understand the interpretation of the prophecy of the Messiah, they were looking for a literal king. They were looking for somebody to come in and wipe out the Roman government to reestablish the kingdom. 
But Jesus came in as a, in a lowly manger. We know this is the time of year we celebrate. He came in real humbly, real low, real under the cover, silent, right? That silent night that we talk about. He really, he really came in real meek and humble. And then he went and he humbly went to the cross, even though he didn't deserve it, right? He was undeserving of what they put him through, but he went through it because he loved us enough so that he could reconcile us back with the Father. He wanted to reconcile us back with the Father. And this is the example that he's given us. So what, how we have to fight is the same way that Jesus fought. When they spit upon him, when they beat him up, he's never said a mumbling word. Now, does that mean that we can't say nothing all the time? No, but it means that we can't say what ain't what God said. It means that we have to be mindful of our words because our words can speak life and can speak death. And I want to speak life in the people. And the Bible, that's why the Bible says our enemies will be our footstools. It's not so much about uh, just being able to step on them, even though we will be able to overcome them. But it's also helping them to understand that there is another way. There's another way to look at this because, listen, let me tell you something. As long as you have breath in your bodies, even to your enemies, there's an, there's an opportunity for you to share Jesus Christ, for you to show who he is so they can come into the redeeming grace of God. And so, listen, that's the great thing about God is that he didn't forget. He, all these people were undeserving of his love. But his love superseded what they were doing to him. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, my example is Jesus Christ. So even though these people are trying to scandalize my name, they're trying to take me out of my authority, try to take me out of my position, I'm going to choose to love them anyhow. Because that's what God has shown me to do. Hallelujah. And my weapons are silent. They might not be as bolsters as yours. They might not be in your face. But guess what? At the end, I'm still going to have victory. I'm still going to be able to overcome. Hallelujah. Anybody want victory today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm still going to have victory. So this movement seemed weak to the Corinthians. God's example was to humble himself. And, and he talked about dying to herself. So we have to, when we walk this walk, we cannot walk this walk in a way that we are boasting ourselves. But the Bible tells us that we have to die to ourselves and hide behind Christ. Meaning that our identity has to be the identity of Christ. And see, that's, when we talk about reimagining, we have to get to a place where we are okay with understanding that it ain't about us. It's not about me. And not, it's not that Jesus doesn't care about us or he doesn't want good for us, but it's to understand that without God, I am nothing. So my agenda doesn't matter because guess what? Anything I try to put in place, it will fail every time. But when I surrender my will to God's, when I surrender my way to him, I truly submit and I get out of his way and I die to myself. What God will reveal to me will be so much greater than I could ever think up for myself. That's why we're reimagining our life today. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, so uh, he died to himself so that God's power could be revealed through his resurrection, which ultimately reconciled us back to the father. And so in other words, we have to let our ego go. Even though Paul is, is flexing in this scripture, he's not flexing out of himself. He's flexing out of the authority of God. But his own ego had to die because was, he could have went and said, yo, square up. What you trying to do? You know, saying you, who you think you are. Right. He had every right to do that because he knew he, he knew the authority he walked in. But he had decided I'm going to take another route, but I'm going to walk in the boldness that God has given me. Hallelujah. These spiritual weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. Strongholds. So what are strongholds? We all we often hear that word. And we uh, what strongholds is really talking about here is anything which relies anything on which you rely outside of God. 
A stronghold is anything which you rely on that is outside of relying on God. So my question to you in this moment is, what are you relying on? What are you depending on? What are you relying on and what is controlling your response to life? In other words, when you really take an introspective look at your life and you look at how you're responding to life's problems, to circumstances that happen in your life, what are you relying on? Is your response to life the way that God would intend you to to respond? Because I'm telling you, if it's not, guess what? That's what your stronghold is. That's what your stronghold is. That thing that's causing you not to respond. When God has told us to love and not hate, if you can't stand that person, you got to deal with that. That's a stronghold. If you can't be without that person because their love is just too good, that's a stronghold. If you're relying on them, if you're depending on them to bring you satisfaction, if you're relying on them to bring you peace of mind, that's your stronghold because there's nothing that can give you peace like the peace that God gives. But we got to really deal with that thing, y'all. We got to really think, get in our imagination, get in our mind. Because, see, that's the battlefield of the devil. He plays with our minds. If he can get our minds, everything else is going to follow. Everything else. That's why the mind is such a powerful place. And we have to re-envision. We have to rethink. We have to reimagine, And we have to do it according to the word of God, according to his power, according to what he has shown us through the example of Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate example. He's our own. So I'm asking you to really take a moment and think about what am I, how am I responding to life? That thing that really gets on your nerves, what is it that's making you respond the way that you respond? And are you, and when you think about the way that you are responding, do you believe that God would be pleased with that response? And if you say no, then we got to really deal with that thing because that's a stronghold. Hallelujah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to uh, verse three, I mean, sorry, to point three. So the first verse, uh, can't talk. First point is our fight is just different, right? Second point, our weapons are silent, but deadly. And now this third one, it's coming down. Somebody say, it's coming down. Come on, somebody say that. It's coming. Come on, say it with authority. It's coming. Come on, one more time. It's coming Hallelujah, hallelujah. So that next verse says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Obedience of Christ, excuse me. And so let's deal with that first part, casting down. When we think of casting down, sometimes we probably just think of just tearing down something. And yes, it is that. But when I really went to look up uh, what it was really meaning in that particular scripture, to another definition of casting down was demolishing. So in other words, we're not just tearing it down because something can tear down, it can be built back up. But what we're trying to do is destroy some stuff. We're trying to destroy some habits. We're trying to destroy some, some things that are going on in our lives so, so that they cannot be built back up. So they are no more in existence. So today, what I'm trying to do is not just get you to reimagine, but I'm trying to get you to destroy, to demolish some situations, some circumstances, some habits, some thoughts, some ways of life so that we can fall back in line with the way God intended us. And again, I want to remind you, we're talking to the believers in this scripture. I want you to really think about that. So this is not just uh, some any person. These are people that have claimed the name of Christ. And if you at any point in your life said yes to God, even if you're at the very beginning of your life, that's still a place where you have connect. You said, I connect with God. So anything other than what God has shared with us is with his commandment for our life and how we should live and how we should move in this life is going against his will. 
It's going against his way of life. And so we have, and so casting down, demolishing every thought or way of thinking that would go against the mind or methods of God. So what we're trying to do here, we're not just trying to, like I said, tear down. We're trying to destroy some habits, some things, but we're trying to get things that are, we're trying to get to those things that are going against or fighting against the knowledge of God. And so in, in a lot of ways, and, and even with these, these Judaizers, these people that were coming up against Paul, they were trying to say that there is another way. There's a better way of dealing with this. They, they were exalting their way of doing, doing things against the way, against the knowledge of God that was being presented through Paul. And so they were, they were walking in rebellion. Because, again, like I said, these people knew, had an understanding of who God was. They had an understanding of his work. Yes, they were still growing and learning. Not saying they knew everything, but they had a simple knowledge of who God was. And so when they were going against that knowledge, they were working in rebellion against God. And so I say that to say that sometimes we, don't, we may not realize that when we choose those thoughts that come to mind, when we know God has told us, don't go to that house, don't talk to that person. Because we know what's going to happen when we get there. And some of us try to be sick, say, God, forgive me for what I'm about to do. Yeah. Right? As if God don't know, like, what? you going to play tricks on my mind? I ain't that stupid. I'm not stupid at all, actually. But we sometimes get into these habits of doing things, thinking that we know better than God. As if God's just going to be there. And, and how dare we take that opportunity? Because God chooses to give us life. He chooses to give us breath in our body. And so every opportunity we take knowingly now knowingly to disobey God, to go against his will. Well, we know God said, wait on that thing, but we can't wait. We got to have it now. So we go out there and do something and screw stuff up. And now we're trying to understand, God, why, 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 why is this happening? He's like, are you really asking me that? You went out there and rebelled against my word. I told you to wait because I got something way better than what you're seeing right now. But because you're impatient, because you haven't submitted your heart to me, because you haven't really given your soul over to me, you really haven't made me Lord of your life. Now you're struggling with this issue and you're rebelling against me because you haven't hidden the word in your heart. That's why this, these congregations are important. That's why getting into those Bible studies where the glory girls, the transformed men, that's why those situations are important because they help us to solicit Solidify and bring and edify us in the word so that we have something to pull up on. So when the enemy comes in like a fun, we can raise that center and say, my God is bigger than what you're trying to bring to me right now. I will not give in to temptation. I will not go to that place. I will not eat that thing. I will not do that thing that I know is displeasing to God because my heart is full of your word. Hallelujah. 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 So I don't want to rebel against God. And, and, and it says, um, cast it down to demolish every thought of thinking that, um, Against every high thing, uh, we know that the scripture talks about. Um, uh, for we were not, for we were not against, wrestle not against flesh and blood, but every, but powers and principalities and uh, spiritual weakness in high places, right? So the things that we're fighting against, they're coming out of the air. They're coming out of the prince of the air, which is Satan, right? And so those high things, what things live in the, uh, sin, uh, depression, every, all of those issues that we talked about, the issues of life are high things, and sometimes we can make those things bigger than our God. Sometimes we choose to be depressed rather than choosing joy. Because the Bible tells us he's created a way of escape. Yeah, you might come to your door, but you don't got to stay there. He gives you a way of escape, and it's through the word of God. It's through praise and worship. It's through spending time in his presence. These things build you up and give you the strength to, to fight to fight against those, those attacks, to fight against those things. And so we have to be, be mindful of that. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Amen. Every high thing. And so uh, so I want to deal with that that knowledge thing first. So when I took the knowledge of God, because it says, again, it says, uh, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So I wanted to say, what is what is knowledge? What is that knowledge thing? So when I looked up the definition of knowledge, it's a general intelligence. It's an understanding, or this is the one I really liked. It was a science of something. A science of something. So when I think about the knowledge of God, I'm thinking about the science of God. And when we look all around us, we can see his science. We can see it in the air. We can see it in the trees. We can see it in our makeup. He's, he has a, there's a science to how he moves, how he works, and how he builds things around us. And so when we work against what he has given us through the word of God, because that's, that's where we build our knowledge, through the word of God, we are working against his plan. We are working against the makeup of which he has set before us. And so another way of looking at that, at that knowledge, let's go to Proverbs 1 and 7. It says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me read that one more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, fear, when it's talking about fear, there's not about being scared, but it's about reverence. Some of us have lost how to reverence God. And that's not, and when we talk about reverence, it ain't just about showing up here on Sunday morning and lifting your hands. No, that ain't real reverence. That's just what we do out of habit, out of culture, of church, right? But when we really reverence God is when we say, I'm going to think before I act. I'm going to consider God's ways before I do what I said I was going to do. That's how we really reverence him. In our daily walk with God, how are we reverencing him? How do we interact with one another? Do we cuss everybody out? Do we have a nasty spirit? Or do we love on people as the word told us to love? Even our enemies. Even our enemies. Even the people that we feel deserve to be smacked up, spit out, you know, all the things. We still have a way to reverence God in those situations. And even in our example of Jesus, we know that, you know, when he was on the cross, they were like, you know, if you're the king, come on down. They were bullying him, right? But he said nothing. Because he recognized what he was accomplishing was something way greater even for them. Because, see, they didn't understand that on that third day he was going to rise with all power in his hand. And so he took on all of that stuff for us so that we don't have to. So that we don't have to. So we have to understand that when we fear the Lord, when we have reverence for God and the way that we live and the way that we move, it's the beginning of knowledge. So we want to know how do we get the knowledge of God? Begin to reverence him in your life. Begin to walk upright before him. Begin to choose a different way of living. Begin to, even in your mind, as we're talking about reimagining, begin to think other thoughts. And those thoughts need to line up with what the word of God says. And listen, let me tell you something. If somebody ever brings something to you, anybody's ever speaking anything over your life, and it's not aligning with the word of God, you better let that word go. Because it don't align. It don't align. But it needs to align with the word of God. It needs to reverence him. And then keep going. Let's keep talking about knowledge. Matthew 11 and 27, it says this. It says, all things have been committed to me by my father. This is Jesus talking. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. In other words, you cannot get to the knowledge of God without first encountering Jesus. Everything in scripture, every Old Testament scripture, every prophecy, everything even in the, that's revealed in the new scripture is pointing us to Jesus. It's pointing us to Jesus. You cannot know the Father. You can't have knowledge of the Father 
if you will not go through Jesus any other way. And listen, there's a lot of stuff out here today. We got crystals and, and all this different stuff that people are bringing up, right? We know it's coming to ancestors. No, if it ain't Jesus, it ain't the right way. Because listen, so those things are manufactured. Those things have come from witchcraft and all other types of darkness that try to resemble some semblance of God. But the real and true and living God, you can only experience him through his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. We got to reconcile that in our minds because people are giving us some false doctrine. And then one more, Colossians 2, 2 and 3, it says that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the answer. He gives us a perfect example. That's the other reason why he had to come to earth in, 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 in that lowly manger. He had to live the life he lived because he was giving us, he knew that this day was going to come. We were going to go back and look at his life on earth to look for the example of how to walk out this life. If you want to really truly understand how am I supposed to handle life, look at how Jesus walked. Look at how he responded. Those things are not just there just for us to learn about him, but it's for us to give us an example of how we should move, how we should live, how we should think, how should we respond to evil, how should we respond to those things. He gives us the example. And so that is where we'll find the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. You see, when you choose to walk in disobedience, and this again, so we're talking to, Paul is talking to people that know God, that have a relationship with God. They're choosing to walk in disobedience, knowing the truth of the knowledge of God given unto uh, them through Jesus Christ. And they put themselves in a state of rebellion. So Romans 1, 18 through 30, when you get a chance, go back and read that. But I wanted to really fill in one particular part of that scripture in 18 through 30. In verses 21 to 23 in Romans 1, it says, because, they, because that when they knew God, they glorified, not, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, they got so full of themselves that they were able to take the uncorruptible God out of his authority in their life because God is still on the throne. But in your personal life, you've removed him off of the throne because you've allowed these other issues, you've allowed these other circumstances to take influence, to take authority in your life. And so you made God incorrupt, made God corruptible in your life. And so this is why I'm saying we got to get back to a point of reimagining life so that we can get God back on his throne. Put him back on the throne in your life. How do we do that? By choosing God, when the, when the enemy comes up on us and he's trying to cause us to sin against him, we got to say, no, my God says that I am more than a conqueror. I am able to do exceeding abundantly above whatever. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever I ask or think. So I'm going to choose his way because, yeah, it might seem rough. I might have to go through a little something to get to the place of God. But I'm choosing that way because I know there is peace on the other side. There is joy on the other side. There is love on the other side. So I'm not going to make God corruptible. I'm going to keep him in a place of being incorruptible because he is not changing he is all powerful he is all knowing he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all ever we ask or think so i'm almost done so again let's keep going through second corinthians hello i'm Vernon hill senior teaching pastor here at tcf hello my name is Aretha hill i am the director of glory girls thank you for watching us today if you're in need of a church community and you feel the lord leading you to connect to this ministry become more than a member be a partner 
When you partner with TCF, you become an agent of change, assisting the vision and the mission of the church to connect lives of the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ. We would love to partner in community and do life with you. So come to TCF. We look forward to seeing you. And remember, transformation starts here. So he says, bringing every thought, every image, every stance unto the obedience of Christ. Romans uh, 12 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Oh, come on. Let's sing your name. Be ye what? By the renewing of your mind. Why? That you might, you may, uh, sorry, that you may, what is that, may be reveal what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we got to reimagine it. We got to revision. We got to reinterpret uh, what God is trying to tell us. Not re- and what I'm saying is not take the scriptures and take, take a different meaning of it, but go back to what the original foundation of what it means is. But see, the world has done a great job of trying to show us how life should be. Oh, yeah, all you got to do is give a little money here. You got to love this person. Like I said, those crystals, all these things that try to get in the power and the place of God. And you got to say, you got to get rid of all that stuff and put me back on the throne so that you can renew your mind. So that you can find out what is that good and acceptable and perfect. The perfect will of God. If you want to know the perfect will of God, seek after the Father. Seek after Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so we're going to the last point. So the last point we're talking about here is take it captive. Somebody say, take it captive. Come on, say it again. Take it captive. Hallelujah. So once we've come to the place where we understand and we've gotten, and gotten our vision in place, we've gotten our message right, we've gotten our understanding of God, we've gotten the knowledge of God, we recognize that it's only going to come through Jesus Christ. Now that we've got it, now we got to sit, do with that last part of that scripture in verse 6 says, it says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you got to be ready to take captive anything and anyone in your environment that will not line up with the obedience of God. Amen. See, Paul, he had, what he had come to at this point, he had said, listen, now, now that I got y'all straight, anybody in this place, anybody in that city of Corinth, in that church of Corinth that is not willing, that's willing to stay disobedient to God, we're going to come by force. We're going to take it captive. We're going to get you under control because you're not going to have this church. And so what I'm saying is you got to have that same type of tenacity in your own personal life. God, you are not, I mean, the enemy is not going to come in and have havoc in my life. He's not going to reign in my household. My family is going to be peaceful. My family is going to be followers of Christ. My family is going to have everything they need. The enemy will not have his way. I will not be depressed. I will not stay in sickness. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. You have to take captive your thoughts. You have to take Take captive your mind to the point of where you even start to speak and live how the God tells us to live. Yeah, life might be trying to show you something, try to show you another way. But if we stand on the truth and the faith of God, he will give us another way of dealing with life. And we have to begin to speak it out of our mind. And the more that we begin to speak it, the more it becomes a part of us. And the more that it becomes a part of us, the more we start to live it. And the more we start to live it, the more we start to see it. And the more we start to see it, the more that others start to see it. Because when we understand that as we live and move in breathing God. We're revealing God's glory to other people. See, that's the bigger plan at hand. See, you're thinking you're just going through this because it's about something that you did or done. No, it's really about God revealing who he is in your life so that others might come to draw towards him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. So when you get your mind right, when you understand that he, is, he loves you, he has good, his thoughts towards you are good and not for evil, you ain't got to worry about the stuff that you're going through. You ain't got to worry about the bills that ain't being paid because God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. And if you're walking up right before him, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He is never going to let you fall. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what you've experienced in life. If you truly say you trust God, trust him again. Reimagine your life in the way that God intended for you to see life because it's in that place that you have peace. Listen, I have been in places in my life where I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, but because I had a relationship with God, God came through every single time. When I didn't have, he brought somebody along and said, hey, here's a couple of extra dollars. Hey, you want to come over and have dinner tonight? Hey, you want to do... God set it up so that I would never go hungry. He set it up so I would never go without. I had every need met. And listen, I'm trying to tell you that God is doing more than enough. He's not just wanting to give you enough. He wants to do more than enough. But the way that you get to more than enough, you got to get yourself more in place with God. Get your mind right. Somebody say, get your mind right. Get your mind right in this place. It's all about your mind. Because the enemy says, if I can get you there, if I can start making you looking at things funny, because that's what these Judaizers was doing. They were causing the church of Corinth to look at Paul funny like, yeah, he ain't as tough as he seemed. Yeah, he don't dress like a man of God. Yeah, he real talk. He got a lot of bark when he's in those letters writing to us saying all this stuff. And when he come, he real chill. No, but Paul said, listen, don't don't think don't. Don't play me. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted because there's more, there's more bite to my bark because the bite ain't coming from me. It's coming from my father up above, right? Because he had an authority in which he's standing. So listen, I'm trying to help y'all understand that you have an authority to Jesus Christ that you can walk in. So there's nothing that by any means harm you as long as you have your vision right, as long as you get the imagination right. That's why we have to cast down every imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God, against the knowledge of God. Because anything that will exalt itself above is going to try to take you out. Hallelujah. So we be ready to take captive anything or anyone in your environment. So it's not just about what's happening in you, but it's what's going on around you. If you got people in your environment that ain't trying to line up with the way you're trying to walk, guess what? You got to let them go. They can't, you can't live here no more. That boyfriend, that girlfriend, nah, we can't, we can't hang no more. You ain't trying to live for God. I got a whole nother way of trying to live. I'm trying to live at peace. I, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of, I'm tired of going through this. I'm tired of you cheating on me. I'm tired of you doing all this stuff. I, God has something better for me. I don't have to deal with this stuff. So I'm taking back captive my life and giving it back to God the way he intended. Hallelujah. Anybody want to take some stuff back captive today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're talking about taking back captive, unhealthy relationships, unhealthy influences, schemers, plotters, environments that are unhealthy for us, habits, friendships, church folk, images, mindsets. We're taking it all captive and bringing it back to the obedience of Jesus Christ because he is the way. Hallelujah. The truth and the life. Hallelujah. And I'm just about done. I'm going to get this little bonus part. In verse 8, just to show you how, how much swag Paul had said. In verse 8, he says, for though I should boast somewhat more of an authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction. I should not be ashamed that I, may, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Excuse me. Then he says this. He said, let, let such a, uh, sorry, let me slow down. Let such a one think this.
this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. In other words, what, what Paul was saying is what I just told you. He said, listen, don't get it twisted. You might think I'm weak right now. You might think because I'm not there that I ain't got no swag, I ain't got no power. But let me tell you, the same person that you talk about has boldness in his letters. The next time I show up, that same boldness is going to show up right with me. So what I'm saying to you today is that you got to talk to your issues today. You got to talk to your, your problems. Those things they're trying to say, oh, man, you ain't got nothing. You don't believe in God. You, you might as well just give up. You might as well just let go. You might as well fall in depression. You might as well take your own life. No, you got to get up with that same boldness that Paul said. No, my God says I am more than a conqueror. My God says I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or what he could ever ask or think. My God is bigger than my issues. My God is bigger than my problems. My vision and my understanding is straight, is with, in line with God's will because I want to see his perfect will in my life. I want to see him moving in my life. I want to live in peace for once in my life. I'm tired of living in a crazy world. I'm tired of cussing out my kids. I'm tired of living beneath my means. I'm tired of doing all these things. I want what God has for me and I want the fullness of it. I don't I want just the grace and the mercy of God. I want the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, step up because I'm coming with all authority that God has given me. So see your problems today. Say, step up because I'm coming. I'm coming with all the power that God has given me to walk in the authority that God has given me. And you will not be by any means harm me. Hallelujah. So I want you this morning to just reimagine, reimagine. Come on, somebody say reimagine, reimagine. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful this morning? Anybody grateful this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that that bless somebody this morning, that you begin to take a, take a introspective of your life and begin to ask God to help you to reimagine, revision your life in the way that he intended for you to live. And some of you might have here maybe online or maybe here in the house, maybe have been in a place where you have not liked how your life was looking. You haven't liked the images that have been showing up in your life and you want a new way of dealing with things. So this morning, I just want to offer you a new way and his name is Jesus. His name is Savior. His name is Father. His name is Holy One. His name is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And he wants to end with you in mind. Hallelujah. And you can have all victory in all of these things in your life if you just choose him today. Hallelujah. So I prayed the prayer this morning that, that, that those of you that might be seeking answers, that might be seeking understanding, that you begin to allow God to infiltrate your heart, infiltrate your thoughts, and get back to the word so that you can restore your relationship relationship with him because he wants a relationship with you this morning. He wants to know you in a deeper way. He wants you to know him in a deeper way. And all it takes for you is just to say yes this morning. So wherever you are, whether you're online, I'm sure there's something coming up on your screen right now where you can text and let us know that you want to have relationship with him. There are people here, if you're in the house this morning, that you want to know Jesus in the pardon of your sin, that are ready to talk to you and pray with you and let you know about this great man, Jesus, that we serve. Hallelujah. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by him. But I just want you to know this morning that he loves you. He cares about you and he wants to see about your issues. He wants to help you get your vision in line with what he has to say to your life. And he wants to see your life move a different way. So this morning, if you want to know him, just choose today to say yes. 
and make that and make that dial on that text or come and speak to one of our ministers that are here this morning to, to help you this morning. And listen, if maybe you had a relationship with God and maybe you ran away and you want to get back to that place with God where you restore that, that love that you first had, he's waiting on you too this morning. The Bible says he's married to the backslider. And this morning, he wants to restore that connection that you once had and go even deeper with that relationship with you. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe you're just trying to find some place to plant yourself so that you can be readily fed the word of God. And TCF has piqued your interest today. We're here and we're ready and we're open to receive you as our brother and our sister online or here in the house. We want you to come into fellowship and become a part of the TCF Nation. Amen. I know that Pastor Brandon and Lady Otisia would love to be your pastors and your leaders. And everybody in this place wants to love on you because you're already our family. We already accept you. If you showed up here, you're part of the body. So we love you this morning. And we want you to just Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you would subscribe so you can continue to be empowered by the latest message. For more information about Transformation Christian Fellowship or Pastor Brandon Hill, visit our website, transformationchristianfellowship.org, or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1, to the number 94000 or visit our website. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.